Hello and welcome to our second podcast in GPISD. I'm your host, Felicia Palazzi, and the topic for today's podcast is the other side of accountability. Um, and I wanted to talk about it from three different hats, if you will, uh, the teacher's perspective, the administrator's perspective, and the parent's perspective. And I thought that this was a really good time to bring this topic up because uh, around this time every year, we school districts all over Texas are going to get their accountability ratings. And there's so many questions swirling in everybody's head about what do these scores mean? Um, how is this going to affect my personal child? How is this going to affect the, the students in my classroom? And um, how is this going to affect my district? And so today I'm here with uh, Ms. Dolly Mayu. She is the Senior Director for Testing and Accountability here in Galena Park ISD. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Can we just open up with the, the first question here that might, many people might, might be wondering? Students take several state tests during the school year, and which ones are used for accountability purposes? All right, there are several tests that are used for accountability. You know, a lot of folks think it's just STAR or STAR and end of course exams, but we actually also use TELPASS exams. We use SAT, ACT, AP exams, TSIA. So those account in different ways in our accountability system. Okay, so we would get all of the scores back from those tests, and that's used to calculate by TEA, that's used to calculate our district's rating, is that right? That's correct, and it's also used to, to, to calculate the campus ratings. And of course, STAR and EOC are, are the ones that count the most, but the others do play a factor into the accountability ratings. Okay, that's interesting because I don't, I think people really focus mostly on STAR and EOC and that's what, every, and TELPASS. Right. You know, those are kind of the big pushes throughout the year, so it's nice to know that there actually are you know, it is more than one score, as they say, and, right. th you know, there are other elements that are brought in. Um, now, f for teachers, you know, especially our new teachers that are, you know, first year, they don't know about maybe the, the software programs which to access um, their students' grades from that they earned the previous year. Where can they go to get more information about how their students did on last year's test scores? Probably the most valuable place that, that I find for teachers would be Eduforia Aware. And that's where you can look at your current year students and, and really take a look at how they do by the individual TEKS uh, or, or how they're doing on certain concepts. And uh, I know that the campus specialist and the campus co instructional coaches really help them with that throughout the year and I'm always willing to, to help provide training at the campus as well but that's probably the most valuable place. The other place is actually intended for parents but it's called the student portal and that actually allows you to see how students responded to answers on the questions last year. It allows you to look at specific questions. Um, it also gives you those misconceptions and, and, and those ideas of where students sometimes have misconceptions. And it, it gives you that information. Um, it gives you the lexiles in reading. It gives you the quintiles in math. 
uh, and it even has some recommended readings for students. So there's a lot of valuable information in that student portal. And that's and on our website, on the Galena Park ISD website? That's actually on texasassessment.com. Oh, okay. And it's, it's a student portal and it says for families and there's a code that you need, but that code we can actually get out of Eduphoria Aware. So again, you know, Eduphoria is, is probably your first go-to, but then the student portal is also a very valuable tool. Okay. And so I like what you said about actually looking at the TEKS. Okay. So for new teachers, it would be, well, for any, any teachers, but, but especially for the new ones who might not know, it is imperative that they look at, you know, where the, the TEKS that the students were a little, uh, they were, might've been struggling with last year to diagnose the exact right. issue because they might need to plan their scaffolding, right? It, in their lessons based on those teaks that were weak. Right, that, that lets you know where you may need some reteaching, where you need to, to, to elaborate a little bit more, or even when you're setting up your intervention or after school tutorials, you know, where you want to focus with specific students and really make it prescriptive for that individual. And, and who can teachers, who would you suggest they contact for help with this? I would first go to the, the campus instructional coaches at elementary or, or middle school and high school, those specialists that you have for math, science, social studies, the, the different subject areas. When I was uh, a teacher, I, I really focused on the day of the test and I kind of worked backwards, I backwards planned. Right. And that's, I was really laser focused on my specific test um, and my kids. Then when I was an AP, I zoomed out a little bit and I was focused on my campus. Uh, I was the testing coordinator and so I had to make sure that everything was organized, everybody's room was, you know, uh, in the proper order and all the scantrons were there, the tests were there and things like that. So I was really f laser focused on my campus, all of the tests on my campus, but just my campus. Um, and I know that a lot of people feel that way as well because we're so laser focused on our area. But if you actually zoom out a little bit, once the test is over, you feel like you've run a marathon, you know, even though we don't sit down and actually fill out the Scantron ourselves. Right, right. But once the tests are taken, once the kids take the tests and they hand them to their teacher and their teacher packs up their bin and, and brings it down to the testing coordinator and the testing coordinator packs them all up and counts them and... Uh, you know, tapes all the boxes closed. Where are these scantrons sent? Those scantrons, for, for STAR, they're sent to our, our testing vendor, ETS. And what ETS does is, is scan through them. And there's codes on that scantron that, that lets them know what campus it belongs to, what district it belongs to. It gives them the demographics. So there's a lot of information on that, on that scantron besides the answers to the test that's going to help break down that accountability rating. And, uh, but they, they're, they're actually sent to our testing vendor who's going to do the scanning and, and sending that off. If it's TELPASS or STAR ALT 2, TELPASS ALT, those of course are sent to, a, a, there's a different vendor, and they're Pearson Access Next or, or Pearson, and, and Pearson will do that scanning. Um, and then of course you've got your, your AP exams and. SAT, ACT, TSI, and those are with different vendors. College Board being one of the big factors, uh, one of the big vendors that, that are dealt that we deal with uh, with those exams. And what about this, the students who take their writing exam 
and they have to write an essay on the, the Scantron. Who grades those? Who sits there and reads all of those? The, the Texas Education Agency and ETS actually uh, hire individual raters, and, and a lot of times those are former teachers, um, and, and they will, or, or folks that to, to look at that, and they train them on how to rate those exams. And so you'll have two raters for each exam, and uh, if there's a disagreement, sometimes there'll be a, a third rater, but they'll, they'll grade them and score them, and so those are actually hand-scored. By, by folks that are contracted out through ETS and, and TEA. Let's talk about irregularities real quickly. Um, I know that this, you know, is, is a very uh, hot topic, I guess, in that uh, can you talk about the, the different types of irregularities and the impact on a campus and the district overall? Well, irregularities, of course, are always things that we try to avoid. Um, and, and the purpose behind irregularities to, is in to ensure that we are administering the test properly. And, but there are two types of irregularities that, that occur. One is procedural and the other is serious. And with the procedural irregularities, it's just that. It's procedural in, that, in nature. And, and that's where um, we may have left a testing ticket for an online tester out. And, and that gives us access to their login and potential for somebody to look at an exam that, that, that shouldn't have. Um, you may also have not given a student an accommodation that they were supposed to receive, to receive you know, they, that they qualified for. And so those are procedural in, in nature. And, and those are, we need to do better mm -hmm. type of, of irregularities. So the campus, that would be reported to the campus test coordinator there on campus and they would call the district office. And we, re, we record those and, and those are submitted to TEA, but they're not as severe. The serious ones are things like um, a teacher gave a student an answer, mm. you know, or they discussed the test afterwards, which we're not allowed to do. And so what would the repercussions be for that individual? With serious ones, usually, you know, we're going to follow up with some type of, a, of an investigation where we may go in and actually interview the teacher or get a statement from them. Um, those, when we submit to TEA, depending on the, the severity of them, you know, our, our certificates could be sanctioned or, mm -hmm. or they, could, they could say, you know, this person doesn't get to be a teacher anymore. And so those are the ones that are more scary and the ones we really try to avoid. Now, um, I will say with the procedural ones or with any of them, you know, once a campus has three serious ones, we're going we're gonna to go to the campus. We're going to do an action plan. Three serious no, or three, three, serious, three procedural, three I'm sorry. Procedural. Three procedural. Or three has, in general, maybe. Three in general. <laughs> but, you know, once a campus has three irregularities, you really, at that point, need to take a look at what's going on at the campus. We need to revisit uh, what the procedures are and, and put a plan in place. And a lot of times that is the communication that we're having with the folks that are over special programs. It's dealing with accommodations or it's dealing with some type of assistance that a student should get. Um, we also often have folks also where a student accidentally has or purposefully keeps their cell phone on them or a teacher has their cell phone. So what happens then? If you have a student and the teacher said, all right, everybody, put up your phones, make sure they're turned off, and then you're in the middle of the test and somebody's backpack rings. In, in that situation, if it's in the backpack, of course, you know, you're, you're going to turn it off and you know it's not on the child. So you're still going to look and see whether or not there was any type of communication going into the to the student, you know, with permission from the parent, of course. 
uh, but more serious would be when the child actually has it on them because now it, it's created an investigation mm -hmm. where you have to get permission from the parent to look at the phone. You have to look at whether there was any type of communication on trying to get answers from another student. Yeah, because they would have access to the internet, presumably. Right. You know, are, are we doing a search on the internet? Are we sharing? Right. Are we texting with somebody else? And so that's that's a procedural one, but it's a time sensitive sensitive one, and it's one where you have to do more digging to see whether or not it, it's more serious in nature. I see. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about on the irregularities front? How does it um, how would it impact the campus or the or the district overall? It doesn't impact ratings unless you would find that there was uh, allegations of cheating, which of course, you know, in the, in the most severe of cases, uh, if it was uh, a broad sweeping type of cheating, you may have to do mm. some retesting, um, which those are rare. But for the most part, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the campus other than we need to do better and we need to make sure that we're fair and impartial to the students. Because right. uh, at the end of the day, our jobs that day is to give the students an opportunity to show what they know. Yes. And, and we want to give them every opportunity and follow the procedures that the state has given us to ensure that we have a good testing process in place. Right. Uh, so, can you talk to me about the versions of the test? I know that there's several different versions of the STAR test. Um, and, and what are these versions and, and who are they, uh, what students would be um, taking them? So with STAR, you have both English and Spanish versions of the test, and that's at elementary for grades three through five. Um, TELPASS also, you, know, you have TELPASS and TELPASS ALT. And so the ALT is for the students who a lot of times are the same students as your STAR ALT students, and those are more your life skills students, the students who have more severe cognitive disabilities. Uh, but all of those are part of the accountability system. That all is calculated in that in that rating. So even the life skills students that are taking the STAR ALT versions, the alternative versions, their scores are counted into the campus's rating as well. That's correct. Um, are the accountability ratings based solely on students' performance of, of the exams that you mentioned? Does that mean, you know, if, if they, they pass their test, if they just pass, does that mean that we're good? No, and, and, and in the past it like did. With, with tax. Yeah, with tax, you know, it was just about trying to get students to pass. Now with STAR, we're looking at the approaches, the meets, and the master's level, and all of that is important in the calculations. And beyond that, we're looking at, are they making growth from one year to the next? Uh, we're also looking with TELPASS. Are we making growth with the English language proficiency over time? And so it's more than just passing. passing. You know, and then beyond that, we also have uh, college career readiness, military readiness component. Um, we have other factors that attribute to those ratings. Does attendance and graduation rates, uh, are they used as well? Yes, the attendance rate, well, attendance rates aren't used in the actual 
overall accountability rating, but they do play a factor when we look at distinction designations, which is also part of that big picture of accountability. Talk, talk to me about the distinctions now. So, so you can get that for, for each campus, is that correct? That's correct. You can get distinction designations for each campus. And the distinction designations let us know that we're in the top 25% of 40 campuses that are similar to us. And so with distinction designations, you can actually get those in several different areas. Uh, you can get them for student achievement, for reading, for math, for science, for social studies. Um, you can get them for academic achievement uh, overall or, or academic growth overall. And that kind of goes back to, are we making progress? You know, in, in the, in the mm, top, and in those 40 comparison campuses, you're looking at, am I in the top 25% of those campuses for my students making progress or, mm -hmm. or maintaining their scores from one year to the next in reading and math? Um, so is attendance used for, for this? So there, the attendance that comes in with the academic achievement, they bring in attendance, they bring in SAT, ACT, okay. they bring in both the participation and the score, which is interesting. So it's not just the score, right. how many people did we have participating in those exams, and then dual credit um, completion. Oh, wow. Oh, so dual credits um, brought into this as well. Correct. That's interesting. The graduation rates are used as well. Right, graduation rates actually are counted, there's, there's three different domains in, when you look into the accountability ratings. Uh, the, those domains are student achievement, school progress, and closing the gap. And so the graduation rates come into play for high school in both student achievement domain as well as the closing the gap domain. And it counts for 20% in the student achievement domain and it counts for 10% in the closing the gap domain. Okay, so tell me more about the college career military readiness aspect of this. What does all this include at the high school and how is this factored into the ratings? College career military readiness is actually a very big component for our high schools and for the district rating because it's 40% of the academic achievement domain and it is 30% uh, of the closing the gap domain. So there's a lot of different factors in the college and career military readiness component and it includes uh, students meeting TSIA for both reading and math. It includes students making a three or better on AP exams. Uh, it includes dual credit, enlisting in the armed forces. Um, students who have industry-based certifications. Like or, welding or something? Like welding. Okay. or And there's a specific list that the state releases on what those certifications are that, that would count toward accountability. Uh, students who are an associate's degree while they're still in, in high school. Or even our, our uh, special ed students with IEPs who are workforce ready. That's also. So with college and career military readiness, once it's you know, we get one point for every student who meets one of these factors. So our early college high school would be big in this area. It would be. Okay. It would be. Um, so earlier you mentioned the use of TELPASS. How is TELPASS used in the ratings? TELPASS is part of the Closing the Gaps domain, uh, part of accountability, and the composite score we look at from one year to the next to see if students are making growth. So the state asks 
it, it was 42% this past year. It has dropped down to 36% of our students need to make one year gain on the composite rating or, or go from beginner to advanced or advanced to advanced high. Um, actually, beginner to intermediate, advanced to advanced high. You know, they, they need to step one level up is the expectation. And we need 36% of the students who are doing that. So the, the students that take TELPASS, are they just our new arrival students from, from you know, uh, say Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico or are other students? No, it's any of our English language students unless okay. they are parent wavered. Oh, okay. So even though they're born in the United States, if their home language is Spanish, say, they yes. would still be uh, testing for TELPASS. That is correct. Okay. Um, so can you can you summarize again the three domains and how their ratings are determined for each of these domains? Yes, you have three different domains. The domains are student achievement, and that is domain one. Then you have school progress, and domain two actually has school two different parts. The school progress is part A, and then you have what's called relative performance, which is part B, and then you have closing the gap. So in Going a little bit deeper into what the, what's under each of those, in Domain 1, Student Achievement, that's typically where we think of our STAR scores. And for elementary and middle school, the STAR scores is 100% of that domain. And what the state mm. does is do an average of their approaches, meets, and masters. And that is how they calculate that, that average for that domain. For high schools, 40% of it is the STAR EOC but 40% is also college career military readiness that we talked about, and 20% is graduation rates. So it's a little bit more broad with our high schools. And then in domain two, A, school progress, that's where we're looking at our students maintaining their scores from year to year or improving. So did they go from approaches to meets or did they go from meets to masters? What if you have a student who is just hits, you know, hits the ball out of the park? gets a 92 or something in the first year and, and, and they work really, really hard and they end up with like a 92 or a 93 the next year. If, you know? if they maintain, we, we get some points for that, not as much as if they would make, you know, move to masters, right. but we do, we do get credit for that. What if, now, what the, if you have a kid who makes a 92 and then the next year they make a 91? That's not a big, as big a hit. That may also still be in maintains. Um, the, the state sets has a table oh, okay. and, and, and tells us, you know, depending on which test it is and the difficulty of the test, what type of growth we expect for one year gain versus what maintain looks like. Um, and what's powerful about this domain is, again, going back to Edge of Foria, we have a program called Axiom. And when we get our data tables that come in, when we get our accountability ratings, we can also drill down and see who are those specific students wow. that gave us those points in, in, in this school progress area? Wow. Now the other part of domain two is domain 2B on relative performance. And relative performance compares campuses with similar economically disadvantaged students. So it's not the same as that distinction designation that we talked about earlier, but it does compare those campuses and kind of gives us this idea of a handicap. If you have more economically disadvantaged students, 
you may not have to do quite as well as someone who has very few economically disadvantaged students. And so it kind of evens the playing field. Is it like a sliding field. scale? It, it's the idea of the state understanding that economic, if you have a large popu population of economically disadvantaged students, it's harder to, to get those gains. Yes. And so they're going to give us this, this curve, if you will, and say, you may not have to score quite as well to do, a, to do equally to someone who has fewer economically disadvantaged students. Okay. So once we get a score or a grade for each domain, is the overall rating just an average of, of these three scores? No. And let me go back to closing the gaps on domain okay. three. So on domain three, the closing the gap is, is that one is what we previously th was the federal accountability. And so okay. it brings in your different sub-pops. It brings in it at the meets level, because at the federal level, they're saying approaches is not good enough. We're going to look at meets level. And we're going to look at it for reading and math, because the federal government doesn't require that we test everything. Their focus is primarily reading and math. Okay. It's going to take in, again, the college career military readiness, the graduation rates, the English language pro progress, which is that tell pass piece. And then it's going to look at the all subjects by sub pops as well for STAR. Um, so going back to once we get a score for each domain, how do, how do they calculate it? What the state does is take the best of domain one, student achievement, domain 2A, school progress, and 2B, relative performance, and whatever the best score is out of those three domains, that's 70% of our rating. The other 30% comes from the closing the gap domain three. And so that's going to be an average of those, a weighted average of those to give us our overall rating. Okay. And, and I heard something about um, uh, different campuses around the state getting an A through F grading. Uh, is that rolling out officially this year? It is. Last year, the district received, um, all districts receive A through F ratings. This is the first year where it's not just going to be a numeric grade, we're actually going to get a letter grade. So we will also, every campus will also get either an A through F, and they get an A through F for each of the domains as well as the overall. Okay. Okay. So um, th this is the other side of accountability, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, there is so much more. If you zoom out, there is so much more uh, to testing than uh, you know just having the kids fill out a Scantron. Um, there's a lot that is uh, riding on, on on how the students do that day and that's why you know when I was a testing coordinator I just wanted to smile and so that everybody else felt good and the kids felt at ease so that they could have the best testing experience as you as you talked about earlier that th that they can so that they can really shine that day um is there anything else that you need to that you'd like to mention about testing or i i think just remaining positive with students that it's not always just about passing the test but especially for our students who score low and you know, really focus on can you make growth from one year to the next uh it, it's a big part of our school progress domain, but also a student who makes growth over time every single year in time will pass. And so 
when we look at our tutorials, don't just look at the kids, can we get them to pass? Let's look at all of our students. And for our GT students, don't just look at passing. We really need to push toward masters. Right. So, you know, depending on the level and the ability of the students, always looking for improvement for those students, I, I think is probably the biggest focus we could do for our students. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ms. Mayu. You're welcome.